Announcer Jenks is here. Brady's pass. It's Gronkowski. Back again. Play action. With it. Third option. End zone. Punt. Gronkowski again. There's the pass. And there's the catch for the touchdown. Antonio Brown. Edwards Alaire. The rookie running into the secondary. Fournette. Intercepted by White. That defense, tremendous tonight. Start by saluting all the healthcare workers here. They're the real champions. You know, my father had an expression. You want to know the road ahead? Ask the person who's been there. We found that person. Ten Super Bowl appearances, seven victories. Tom Brady. Yeah, I have so many people to thank. My wife, Chris. Jake Christie. My mom's up there, she's 95. Love you, mom. This really belongs to our coaching staff and our players. This is your trophy. I didn't do a damn thing. You guys won this game, all right? You came together as a band of brothers and you made it happen. So proud of all of you. I think we knew this was gonna happen, didn't we? And there's more to come, right, Tom? There's more to come as far as football. Yeah, we're coming back. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the By the Laces podcast. My name is Gulam Malik. And just before we start out, I want to thank my co-hosts, Trent and Cito, for putting that awesome intro that you just heard together to start at the show. And just for anyone who's been listening to, to us for a while, he put the intro together for last year's Super Bowl recap show as well. And just want to say, great job, Trenton. Thank you. It was uh, it's a pleasure to do it for the show have a lot of fun doing it with you and uh i love seeing your reactions every time i i do a new intro so it's uh it's very much worth it you've uh you haven't let us th- let us down yet so uh thank you again all right before we uh started the show there's something important to point out and i think we mentioned this before but it's obviously worth mentioning again that in the midst of a global pandemic the nfl was able to pull off every single game of the regular season and playoffs 269 games in total and it's just a testament to everyone who's been a part of the nfl this past year that we were able to get through an entire season with the conditions that we had to deal with yeah um and it's just it's it's great because at the beginning of this season the NFL was watching all the other sports leagues and, and how their seasons were turning out. And the NFL opted not to do a, a bubble. And I was really skeptical of it at first. And I was like, I don't know if uh, that's going to work out or if they're going to have to postpone all of the games in the middle, middle of the season. But, man, it, they were able to do it with all the, the testing, all the contact tracing. Um, yeah, it, it's just amazing that that what science could do exactly and it kind of helps to have you being the last basically the last sport to open up you, like you just said you watch everyone see what works what doesn't work and see where you can adapt to fit your own sport so we 
This is our Super Bowl recap show, Trenton. But before we divide, divide, dive into the big game, there are still some important stories to discuss, so let's get on with it. After 10 years, the Houston Texans and J.J. Watt are parting ways. The Texans recently released Watt, and now he's a free agent for the basically, I think, the first time of his career. So, yeah. What are your thoughts um, there, Trenton? Man, he's been such a big part of, of the Texans for so long, and, and they haven't had a lot of success in his time there. The most success they've had was with Deshaun Watson. But, uh, I mean, I'm sure now J.J. Watt is he's getting older. He, he definitely rest, relishes the chance to, to leave that organization and to, to have a chance at, you know, more playoff runs, more more Super Bowls, because it seems like the Texans are headed towards another rebuild. Yeah, we'll get into that in a little bit. But just saying that if anyone deserves to find the right team for the right moment, uh, it's J.J. Watt. That guy has done so much for the city of Houston. He's done so much as for the Texans. And we all had an idea that it was going to come down to this at probably this season or maybe next season or something around those lines. But I just didn't realize that he would be, I didn't uh, expect him to be released. I expected him to trade him for something because a a talented player like that is definitely going to command a lot of um, um, capital from other teams. So I would have thought the Texans would be strategic in the move and try to get some gain some uh, draft capital, but at least at the same time, they're allowing JJ to move on on his own terms and be with whatever team he chooses to be with. And that's all you can ask for at the moment, especially so with all the turmoil that's going on with the Texans organization. It's nice. They let their face of their franchise move on to however he wanted to. He He's also done I mean, just like we just said, I just said, like he's done so much for that team. He hasn't played a full season in so long. I mean, 2020 was just the second time that he had played an entire um, 16 game season in the past five years. Yeah. yeah. He, he's led the league in sacks twice, five all pros, five Pro Bowls. What has this guy not hasn't this guy done except like win playoff games or win a Super Bowl? And it just seems like this is going to be the right time for that. Yeah, um, and and just adding to his list of accomplishments, three-time Defensive Player of the Year. And he's so only many accomplishments that I forgot to mention that <laughs> he's the only one along with uh, Lawrence Taylor and Aaron Donald. So, um, yeah, just such a such a, a wonderful person and football player and he's he's definitely i think going into the hall of fame eventually oh, yeah, but of course yeah but before that where is he going to go next i don't know and before we one point i want to mention here is that on the texan side of this they're saving 17 and a half million dollars so this is i mean a strategic move in a way too because like you said, they're going through a rebuild and you'll dive into that in a bit. But where he's going, I wind up a few possibilities for him. Uh, first off being Pittsburgh. His brother, TJ's there. 
brother Derek is there. And if the three water brothers end up in the same building under Mike Thomas, there's a lot of wattage in that building. That electrical <laughs> bill is going to go through the roof. <laughs> oh, man. Um, defensive end, linebacker, and fullback. That's uh, Just think about it. The TJ was almost defensive player of the year this year. When you look at the, uh, the numbers of uh, the voting, he was only seven votes behind Aaron Donald, which we had predicted on the last show that he could possibly win the award. And when you see how close he was, you just saw how tight you just see how tight the race was. But uh, TJ and JJ on that same defensive front would be a nightmare for anyone. Yeah. Uh, no, another option that I was thinking is Green Bay. I would not want this to happen. But uh, he grew up in Wisconsin. He went to the University of Wisconsin. Grew up a Packers fan. That team has been in the NFC Championship game two years in a row. Now, they didn't win it. And there's always some issue going on in Green Bay, just some internal drama. But I think he could fit well on that defensive front. And that defense has been decently well the past two years. Um, and you have a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers on the other side of the ball, who is always going to keep your team in it. So that's an enticing option right there. Another option that I would like, personally, is for him to come to Chicago. This is on a appealing to his personal side here because his wife plays soccer here. Um, and he has an, probably has an apartment here already too, I'm assuming. And it's just the fact that it's an attractive offer here. Thinking about it, like Cleo Mack, Akeem Hicks, Roquan Smith, Eddie Jackson, Kyler Fuller. Um, you put on that front line right there, you put Mack on one end, you put Hicks in the middle, and you put Watt on the other. And that's a dominating front right there. And I'm, I'm assuming we're going to get like Eddie Goldman back in the nickel next year because he opted out of COVID due to COVID reasons. Um, that's, I mean, as a fan of the Bears, and regardless of what happens on offense, Chicago's defense always carried the team no matter what season it has been. You go to 85 in the Super Bowl run, it was the Bears. You go to 06 in the Super Bowl run, it was the, sorry, 85 was the defense uh, 06, it was the defense again. Back in 2010, made the playoffs. Had a pretty good defense then, too. 2018, made the playoffs. Defense is top defense. Even this past year, make the playoffs. And with all the uncertainties of the offense, you had a pretty good idea where the defense was. So defense is always carried Chicago, and I think J.J. would be a great fit. And last one, I think, is before, see if you have any additional options here is I would um, where would I put them? Actually, I'm completely blanking on what I was thinking of earlier, so I'm you speak now. Sorry. No, you uh, you brought up a lot, of, a lot of good points, and honestly I don't have much to add about any of them. Uh, like you mentioned, the Bears already have a pretty, pretty good dominant defense with uh, a lot of players stacked on there. J.J. Watt might want to head on there and 
you know, not be the only star pass rusher. You mentioned Green Bay. I feel like when you mentioned Green Bay, that brought me back to when the Packers brought in Julius Peppers, you know, an aging defensive end slash linebacker edge rusher that uh, was able to come in in a sort of rotational role. One thing you notice the Packers, though, is that they don't um, fight in free agency that often. It is a very rare opportunity to see the Packers pursuing someone in free agency. They usually try building their team from within in the draft. And that that Peppers move um, a few years ago was one of the rare moments that you see them trying to pursue someone. And he played well for them for for as long as he was there. So, I mean, Julius Peppers was a dominating player when he was in Chicago. He was a dominating player when he was in Green Bay and dominating player when he uh, started his career out in Carolina. So, yeah. All right. Uh, let's stick with the Texans because I think we both know this is one of my favorite teams this offseason to cover. Yeah, you've been studying this whole issue very uh, closely, so. Can't yeah. wait to hear your newest take. Man, I could write a novel about this. But <laughs> besides that, um, Texans owner Cal McNair said that there's a lot of misinformation regarding the situation with Deshaun Watson, who, of course, is rumored to no longer want to be with the Texans and does not intend to be with the Texans uh, pretty much ever again. He's requested a trade. He he doesn't really care where he goes as long as it's not the Texans. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I I have no idea what, what to believe coming out of this Texans organization. I probably should have thought about that before they signed him to a new contract last year because now he's under contract through 2025. <laughs> yeah. Um, and speaking of that, Jamie Roots, who has been the Texans team president, has announced his resignation. He's been with the team since 2000, which is two years before they ever played their first game. He was responsible for pretty much all of the business side of the organization. And he resigned because he didn't like the direction with Vice President Jack Easterby and Roots has always been part of the search for for new GMs and, and head coaches. And in this particular case, he was part of the search committee that the Texans paid for to get the new GM. And uh, he and the search committee was ignored after Jack Easterby decided to have a chat with with Cal McNair and, and get his own guy hired. So The Houston Texans are Jack Easterby's team. His fingerprints are all over that. And anything that happens from here on out is all going to be attributed to the actions he takes. Yeah. and It doesn't uh, look good so far. No, it doesn't. But like you said, it's Easterby's team. The Texans have hired a new character coach, former Lions character coach by the name of Dylan Thompson, who was a, uh, a former South Carolina 49ers and Rams quarterback. And he assisted players, and he just so happens to be connected with Jack Easterby, who, of course, started his uh, career with the 
Patriots and the Texans as a, a character coach. So we'll see how that goes. You don't really hear about teams hiring a character coach. That's not to say they're not there. I'm assuming every team has one, but you just don't see it breaking the news that, oh, this team hired a character coach. You, you, there's got to be something going on with that team that the hiring of a character coach has made it into our podcast. <laughs> they hired a character coach, which turns the character of the team sour, and they've hired another character coach in hopes that it, that it helps. I don't know. It's, it's odd. Like, you've never seen a team uh, kind of self-implode as fast as the Texans are going. Now, who knows? All these moves can potentially prove to be successful on the field, but we have to wait until September now to judge anything. So now for the next few months, we'll just be seeing how this team continues to react, and it'll be uh, something that I'm assuming will be all in your upcoming novel. Oh yeah, it's uh, it's all about the Texans' secret plan to a, a sixteen game win season. And how many? But over the course of how many seasons then? Ah, that's uh, forty two. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm not gonna spoil the plot here. I'm not gonna spoil the plot. I'm I'm sorry. I, I've said too much. All right, all right. We'll move on. So apparently. The Seahawks are receiving calls from their teams requesting trades for their star quarterback, the newest Walter Payton man of the year, Russell Wilson. And uh, interesting. I mean, people are going to try whatever they can all the time just to get the best player. And without a doubt, Russell Wilson is one of the best players playing in the league who we thought could have won the MVP if he continued to play how he was at the beginning of the season. But, uh, it's interesting just to see that how desperate teams can get, and it doesn't look like it's going to going to pan out from this. But uh, what's your take? Yeah, um, Russell Wilson has been well. He was he was thought to be the MVP when we started the season halfway through, but I don't know. Teams teams were able to figure out what the Seahawks' offense was trying to do, and Russell Wilson just kind of kind of flamed out. A little bit and you know it's it's always been said that russell wilson has been kind of you know ignored in in mvp races so i i honestly don't know i honestly don't know what it is i mean he did throw for 40 touchdowns 13 interceptions this past year so it wasn't it was not a bad year by any stretch of the imagination uh, their team did lose in the wild card round against the Rams. But aside from that, it's just that um, apparently he wants a more input in personnel decisions, somewhat of what a Tom Brady has done down in Tampa, bringing in a Gronkowski, bringing in a, into Antonio Brown, just having the more uh, command of the overall team. Which he has, to some extent, I would say, deserved that. He deserves that now. I mean, what has he done? Look at the Seahawks before Wilson, pre-2012. They made the playoffs in 2010, but they made the playoffs as a 79 team. And there was just no stability in that organization for a long time, except uh, since Matt Hasselbeck. 
left that team. And it also seems that Wilson has been expressing himself a little too openly recently, seeing how he doesn't want to get hit anymore, which I think people are interpreting as a as a little throwing his offensive line under the bus. Which, if you're an offensive lineman, I don't think you would want to hear that from your quarterback. But uh, things happen. People say things. It's the beginning of the offseason. We have a lot of ways to go here. So I don't see him leaving Seattle. But on the hypothetical chance that he does leave Seattle, Trenton, what does it take? What would the Seahawks command for him? I mean, no, what would he command from a team in terms of trade value? Because they're not cutting him. So they're definitely going to trade him. Are you, are you going to mortgage out your season, your future seasons, like the Rams yeah. have done? Yeah, for sure. I think Russell Wilson would go for for quite a bit more than, than Matthew Stafford went for. Um, and Matthew, oh, Stafford, Matthew Stafford is not on the par of Russell Wilson. Yeah. Um, and, and part of the thing is that he only went for that much because the Rams were trying to unload the the massive – extension that they gave Jared Goff and and the Lions were were willing to take that with all of because of all of those draft picks that they they uh but um I don't know well, if Wilson. you want to go to extension if you want to go on the if you're trying to unload here I mean Wilson does have uh he's in the third year of a five-year contract which gives him roughly 35 million a year and his cap hit is 32 million dollars in this upcoming season and he has to approve any possible trade because he has a no trade clause in his contract. So it'll be like, where would he want to go? Ooh. Um, honestly, I feel like his best option would be to stay with the Seahawks. I mean, he's got yeah. Tyler Lockett. He's got DK Metcalf. You know, he's got the receivers there that he has a, a rapport with. Right. So he's, I don't see him wanting to, to leave them. And his coach never ages. <laughs> Pete Carroll. He's with the ever young Pete Carroll. And I mean, they've had success. I mean, every team goes through these issues. And like we just said, it's the beginning of the off season. People are going to come up with things. I just don't see him leaving anytime soon, but let's go. And this is the last thing I want to mention about Wilson here is that He's 32 years old. He's been with the team since 2012. We've noticed over the years how most people, most players do not uh, finish their career in the same place they started. And the way he's playing, he looks like he could be on pace to play the way Tom Brady's currently playing at 43 years old. Let's, let's give him that. Give him another 11 years, roughly. Does he stay those that rest of the time with Seattle? Or do we see Wilson possibly at some point, maybe after this contract is up, do we see him with another team? I could see him with another team. That's that's definitely something I could see. Uh, I mean, the Seahawks right now, I know I mentioned the offensive supporting staff. He's already not super happy with the linemen, you know, and as he gets older, he's only going to get, slower, less mobile, more of a pocket quarterback. Um, mm-hmm. so I could see him opting to go for 
a team that's more built off the running game and less on his arm, maybe more on defense as well. It was a lot better when he had Marshawn Lynch a few years ago. I mean, that guy could take take the load off of it. He really because uh, he's a power runner and looks like the Seahawks probably need that again. And like you said, Wilson's going to like the way he run. You see him running right now. He is running decently less than what he used to, just maybe a few years ago. And of course, it comes with age and comes with the ability. I mean, the guy is a pretty deep ball, though. Like I've admired, I admire that deep ball. It just comes out with a full arc, and it's perfect. But I don't, I don't see him finishing his career with the Seahawks. But uh, I'm assuming that career is going to still be around for a long time. Um, barring any significant like injury to him but we shall see yeah that's the hope Uh, we'd love to see more of these quarterbacks that we got to grow up with you know stay as long as as Tom Brady has Um, and of course it's it's better for their their long time long-term health as well because we only just again very last point going off what you just said here is we grew up with Tom Brady for our whole life, he's been playing quarterback, but we only really got to appreciate him when he was maybe a decent chunk of his career already in like five, six, seven years of his career. He was already in winning a few Super Bowls and everything, so we didn't even get to someone like a uh, someone like a Russell Wilson. We can uh, experience that whole career. I mean, I was at a game, a Bears game, in his opening, his first year, and I saw him play. So it's just the the new generation of quarterbacks, and you're just going to keep going like that. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. All right. Speaking of a new generation and a new future, new Jacksonville Jaguars head coach Urban Meyer has finalized his coaching staff now, and he brought in the former Iowa Hawkeyes strength and conditioning coach Chris Doyle, who will now be the new director of sports performance and he spent 20 years at Iowa but parted ways with the program in June of 2020 after numerous former players spoke out about him saying that he was a racist and a bully what are your thoughts that's the type of guy you want to bring into your brand new team as a first-time NFL head coach I mean honestly couldn't find a guy better than this guy I know they have a relationship. They've been friends and they've been coaches together and for like over 20 years, but do not realize what this does to your team, the city. You're a first time head coach in the NFL. You could have found um, a better guy. Like he, he come, Urban Meyer comes out and put out a statement saying that he's vetted him. The team has looked at him, and everything seems fine. But you have to really be aware of the times we're living at right now. And things are heavily scrutinized. And it just – imagine the players. Would you want to play for a coach who has been um, accused of being a racist and a bully? Yeah, that's uh, 
that's not really the culture that you want to build. Especially a team in Jacksonville that needs a culture. There is no culture down there. That team won week one and then lost 15 straight games. It's uh, it. I don't see him staying around for a while, I think. I think we'll come to either Meyer will come to his senses or the ownership is going to take some stance on him and realize how bad this is playing for him. This is, I mean, he just got hired, so we will see what comes of that. But it's not uh, who, it's not who the NFL would want in their league. Yeah, that's a, that's a very good point. And we're going to close out here before we dive straight into the Super Bowl with some injury news that came out at the big game. Uh, Tom Brady is going to be having a minor procedure on, on his knee. Nothing nothing serious here, just what Bruce Arians describes as a cleanup job. And Patrick Mahomes, as we have noticed, has been battling a turf toe injury during the playoffs. And now with the season over, he is going to be having surgery to Actually, I believe he already had the surgery, and it was a success. So uh, nothing too serious with these two-star quarterbacks, and this is the time to get all healed up for the next season. Yeah, they have a, a long offseason ahead of them. They can rest and Hopefully they have a full offseason too. Nothing <laughs> cut off short because of any COVID restrictions. And we're not really going to talk about COVID this year, this show, but it's good news that uh, – We've been getting more positive news on vaccines. So hopefully most people will be able to get it by the spring and summertime, including these players. And with that, Trenton, let's uh, go to the big game. Oh, yes. The big game. What are your thoughts? What are your, your, your thoughts? Just before we before I give that. This game was hyped up so much. And it delivered in a sense that Tom Brady did not disappoint. But do you ever get this feeling whenever a game, especially the Super Bowl, is hyped up with two two good teams? It's not like these are not like any of these are bad teams. They were two good teams, but the game just somehow seems a little lopsided. Like I, my uh, memory goes to the Super Bowl, the Broncos and the Seahawks. How they completely disorganized to start off the game with a, with a safety, or it was a touchdown or a safety, one of those. But like just a bad snap, and uh, the Broncos fell behind in the game and never recovered. But this game was like, what happened to the Chiefs? Like. I think the Chiefs got left behind in Kansas City, and these were like some clones playing because these, <laughs> this was not Patrick Mahomes, and this was not the Chiefs' offense. These were uh, re- these were replacement players. Yeah, <laughs> replacement players. Yeah, from like and, the from the eighties when the players striked. So uh, Andy Reid just just looked in the plane, and he's like. Wait a minute. Where's Patrick Mahomes? This isn't good. And then he walked into the <laughs> into the stadium. He looked up in the stands and he said, "Oh, that person's wearing a Mahomes jersey. Yeah, he looks he looks vaguely like Mahomes. Hey, hey, come on down, come on down." 
here, suit up, put on this helmet. Okay. We're going to go uh, uh, X cross 94 7 and then sent him out into the auto. And then the guy's like, hi, guys. I don't know what I'm doing here. And he was like, all right, I'll run deep and you just throw it. Exactly. You watched the, before we actually get into the game, you watched the State Farm commercial where they were on set and it was Rogers, Mahomes, and Jake from State Farm. And they're talking <laughs> about their stand ins. Oh, I see. I see how you got to this. I see how you got to this. All right. And um, this, and I mean, Mahomes had a pretty nice stand in, though. It was Paul Rudd. I mean, Paul Rudd's a, but Paul Rudd is no Patrick Mahomes, too. But uh, <laughs> no, exactly. What happened? You start off the game, the Chiefs offense could get nothing. Uh, going and you don't see that from the Chiefs. You see this high explosive offense led by Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and that team was non-existent. We had a very, it's like they had come, they've been built up, built up, built up the whole year. You got to think about them. Mahomes went 14 and one. And no, I think. 15 and 1, no, 14 and 1, sorry, yeah, because they lost the whatever. So they go up and go up, and this thing crashing down at the biggest moment of the year. And the Bucks were the complete opposite. They were able to convert, they were able to um, be on target, they were able to score. I, I just don't, and Tom Brady was Tom Brady. Like, you don't give Tom Brady extra chances, which is what the Chiefs did. 11 penalties to Buccaneers, four penalties. It was undisciplined. It was not Andy Reid football. And they couldn't. Watching Mahomes, it looked like he was backing up like 15, 20 yards every single play. Because there was no protection. And yeah, he, yeah. he ran over, over 400 yards in the backfield just before throwing. He accumulated almost 400 yards or over 400 yards, almost, I think, 500 yards, just running around in circles in the backfield on, on earth toe. And he tried. Exactly. He tried. Like, he did everything he could. But it's just that his team could not convert. And he threw two picks, which is the story of any game when it comes down to turnovers. The Buccaneers were turnover free. And the Chiefs were not. So. Yeah. Just couldn't get it done. What else did that to you in the big game? Oh. Uh, I honestly loved what the Bucks defense did to Mahomes. I mean, throughout the entire game. Exactly. Um, Todd Bowles. Throughout the season, Todd Bowles has, has blitzed a pretty decent amount. But in this game specifically, his percentage of blitzing was pretty low. Um, He was generally only sending four rushers at Mahomes and, you know, giving twists and stunts on the offensive line that was missing a lot of starters throughout the year that slowly succumbed to injuries. But, I mean, when you're only rushing four and you can confuse the offensive line, get Mahomes running, and, you know, that allows the Bucks to play a too high safety shell and prevent 
Tyreek Hill or McCall Hardman or any of those wide receivers from beating them over the top, you know, when the, when the chiefs don't have those big plays, then they, they struggle to move the ball down the field. And that's, mm-hmm. uh, that's the kind of scheme against the chiefs that we haven't really seen before. Exactly. This, the chiefs are made up a team are comprised of the big plays. And like you just say, you take the big plays and what is left of the chiefs. Like, but the thing is, you couldn't even set up the big plays. And you said rushing four players when you don't, you, you don't have to rush others. It, it's, it creates a lot of, um, a lot of damage in the secondary and you can't yeah. contain it. Yeah, it's, there's, um, there's too many bodies in the secondary. It no seemed like there were like 12, 13 players on the defense, but when in reality it was still the 11 players. <laughs> it, it's like Sam Darnold a year ago. Oh no. Oh no. I'm seeing ghosts. It was like that. I mean, watching him, like Mahomes never had more than two seconds before someone was in his face. Or he was like, and they didn't always sack him, but they rushed those throws. And yeah. the Patriots converted. Gronk scored two touchdowns. Antonio Brown scores another one. Leonard Fournette scores another one. All the Chiefs did was score two field, three field goals. And they played a complete game. Yeah, for sure. But you got you to gotta hand it to Mahomes. I mean, through all of this, he was – twisting and turning he was playing playground football and he's still throwing amazing passes i mean there's one where he's like diving he's he's parallel to the ground he's literally in the air yeah he fires it and it's just like man that's that's crazy i agree and and he hit and he's hit his players right in the face basically (laughs) and it's like what do you what do you what do you want me to do yeah, what what more can he do? Um, I mean, he laid it all out there, and in the end, that that just wasn't enough. It wasn't enough, exactly. It's the first game Mahomes has lost in the pros by more than one possession, and his second playoff loss, which the first one happened to come against Tom Brady as well. So as long as Tom Brady and Mahomes meet up in the playoffs, which now from now on will only happen in the Super Bowl, Mahomes isn't winning that game, probably. Just putting it out there. Can, uh, you, uh, can you believe that Tom Brady has created another postseason rivalry against another quarterback? Originally, it was Tom Brady and, and uh, Peyton Manning, and now it's Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes. This man's gone through <laughs> two different generational quarterbacks. <laughs> he, he sure has. And, I mean, Mahomes was six years old when Brady won his – First championship. It was, uh, it's quite the scene. It doesn't look like Tom Brady is slowing down anytime soon. And he's the first, here's a stat for you, Trenton. First NFL, MLB, NBA, or NHL player to win championships for two different teams after turning 40 years old. Yes. And Bruce Arians is the oldest head coach to win a Super Bowl. At 68 years old and 127 days. And last year we said no one deserved him more than Andy Reid. This year no one deserved him more than Bruce Arians. Honestly, just the way he turned that team around after dealing with 
Jameis Winston and all the things that came with that team a year before. The instant that team got Tom Brady, that team's fortunes changed. It's, yeah. uh, yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens here. Does, do they repeat? That'll be, that'll be the question to see, but now we know what this team is capable of after even the start of this year. Starting off pretty bad. I mean, they lost to the Bears. Which, uh, and nothing against us, too, but I'm saying, like, the way our season turned around, in the end, going 8-8, eight and eight just shows uh, how things were changing at that time. So, <laughs> But the interesting also thing is here, Trenton, that the Bucks did not lose a game since they lost to the Chiefs early on in the season. They, I think they went 7-0 and now, or 8-0, since losing the Chiefs early on, so... Their last loss of the year came against the Chiefs. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. And Trenton, there are only a few things that are more guaranteed in life. It is either um, life, no, sorry, death, taxes, Tom Brady winning a Super Bowl. <laughs> it doesn't seem like it does seem like that, doesn't it? Seven times. Can anyone catch him? Like people thought, even Romo was saying on the broadcast that Mahomes, if he was to win this one, he could. I mean, Mahomes' career is only, God, it's only like four years old. So he'll be around forever. But just saying that um, seven, seven's putting it out there. And he doesn't look like he's going away anytime soon. Yeah. Is this too far for anyone to reach? He's more than any team. Because the it's... Patriots as a team had six. The Steelers as a team had six. Brady as an individual has seven. It's going to be difficult. I mean, John Elway reached a lot of Super Bowls in his career, although... But he only won two of them. He only won two. Uh, Jim Kelly went to a few. It's part of the Buffalo Bills. I think about three or four, roughly, because they went four years in a row, but I don't yeah. know who played in every single one. And he, he never won a single one. Um, uh, Joe Montana played in, in quite a few, but, you know, nobody's he had four. He won four. At one of, point, he was the highest. Yeah. but um, Peyton Manning's played in four, but he only won two. So... I mean, <laughs> did you see? Uh, did you see what Eli Manning posted? No, I didn't. The fact that he's basically beat Brady twice in the Super Bowl is like pretty good for him in a way. <laughs> That's a good point. I mean, yeah, for the Giants or you're the Eagles, then you have beaten Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. All the other teams, sure. all the other teams have not had. That much success. I'm sure Andy Reid uh, was looking in the stands to see if Eli Manning's sitting up there and and could sign a contract at, at short notice. Think about it. Andy Reid's lost to Tom Brady twice now in the Super Bowl. Once with the Eagles, once with the Chiefs. 
Oh, that's got a sting. But he got his one ring the year before. Too bad there's no cheeseburger this year, though. I'm sure he had a cheeseburger afterwards. But it probably didn't taste as good. No, uh, but win or loss, it's still a cheeseburger. True that. <laughs> cheeseburgers are good. Anything else you want to mention here before we uh, wrap this up? No. Um, I'm I'm just a little a little saddened that my pick did not go my way. I picked the Chiefs last time. You picked the Bucks. Congratulations, Bilal. Thank you but, very much. Uh, uh, I'm hey, a defensive the rule, rule of life. Rule of life. Never go against Tom Brady. Never <laughs> go against Tom Brady. You you kept saying this all season. This podcast. I I should have listened to you. Should have listened to you. But he does throw his Lombardi Trophy over a boat. Oh yeah, I forgot I to saw mention that. that. Yeah. Was it deflated? I I don't think so. Ah, okay. It's a cheap joke they're trying. <laughs> this episode's full of jokes. Your your wattage joke, my deflated Lombardi joke. It's, it's a good uh good episode. Indeed it was. So uh I think that does it for us here. Thank you for listening to the By the Blazes podcast. We hope you have a great rest of the week and we'll be back next week with another episode. No idea what it will be about, but the NFL world's always changing. Is always changing, so don't forget to follow us at Bill Malik fifteen and trend underscore. Please stay safe and wear a mask. Maybe I'll be about my Houston Texans book. <laughs>